Good morning, good to see everyone. The, um, after Yaakov and Esav uh, matured, each one developed their own personality and uh, embraced a different path in life, as the Pesach tells us. Esav became a man of the field. And Yaakov became a man of the tents and learning Torah. And the Medrash elaborates uh, and continues, For the first 13 years of their life, they were indistinguishable. Each one uh, went, uh, sounds like, to the same uh, Yeshiva Katana. This one, uh, Yaakov Avinu, was Pirish, and he went to the learning in Masifto, Yeshiva Gedalo, and Esav uh, went uh, to worship in the base of Eidah And the Medrash infers uh, from this, that a person is obligated, responsible, to make sure that his child fulfills the Torah and the mitzvahs until he's 13 years old. Afterwards, the child is responsible for himself. And that he uh, gives a bracha, shavach, to HaKadosh Baruch that now he is uh, relieved of his uh, responsibility uh, for his child. And uh, it seems uh, that there is a fundamental machlek, so we him, with regards to the first part of the statement of the Medrash, that one is uh, obligated to be metapo b'bnoi adirgem moshana, he's obligated to make sure that his child perform, performs the Torah and the mitzvahs, the obligation of chinoch, seems to be that there's a fundamental machlek, so we show him as to the focus, the nature of that uh, obligation of chinoch, and as we'll see, that has uh, ramifications, uh, reverberates throughout many related issues, and also as to how to, uh, you know, two perspectives on this bracha of Baruch Shepotrani, that the father says at the end of this uh, period of Chinuch, the end of the 13 years, that he is uh, happy to be free of the responsibility of uh, making sure that the child uh, is keeping the Torah in the mitzvahs. The Gemara tells us in Mesechtis uh, Brochis, and it has a suffix, whether or not women are obligated in the mitzvah, Birchis HaMozin. Birchis HaMozin is not a time-bound mitzvah, so women should have been obligated. However, the Gemara has a suffix, whether they're obligated Midaraisa or only Midarabonan. Rashi explains that the reason why perhaps they're only obligated Midarabonan is because the Pesach states in connection with uh, benching in Parashas Veschanan, Vachalta, Vesavata, Uveirachta, you ate, you became satiated, you became full, and then you uh, benched. On the wonderful land that Kaddish Baruch Hu gave you, but the woman didn't receive a chedek in Eretz Yisrael. So Rashi says, maybe therefore they're not obligated to bench. Taisus has a different uh, suggestion that the reason why perhaps women are uh, excluded from the mitzvah of of benching is because we say in uh, benching, mention Prismila and Talmud Torah, both of which uh, women are exempt from. But either way, the Gemara has a suffix, whether or not women are obligated in benching uh, Midaraisa, the same as men, after all, it's not a time-bound mitzvah, perhaps only obligated Midarabadon, uh, they're excluded from the mitzvah Midaraisa for one of the reasons that we mentioned. So what's the difference whether women are obligated, either way, they're obligated Midarabadon in benching, so what difference does it make? And this is the Gemara that actually leaves this question somewhat unresolved, but what difference does it make? Are women obligated in benching Midaraisa Midarabadon? Sigmar says it makes a difference over here on the first line of Oyez in order for uh, to exempt a man. Because Sigmar's assumption is, and in many other places in, uh, throughout Shas, that in order for a person to make a bracha on behalf of somebody else, to uh, be moitzi them in a mitzvah, you have to uh, share uh, an obligation in that mitzvah. If you're not obligated in that same mitzvah, I can't be moitzi others. 
So the Gemara says, if a woman is obligated midday rice and benching, she could be mighty her husband, who is also obligated midday rice and benching. If she's only obligated midday rabbanan and benching, then uh, she cannot be mighty her husband, who is obligated midday rice. And that's the difference uh, whether or not a woman are chayv midday rice or midday rabbanan. In benching, can she be mighty her husband? So the Gemara in the second line quotes Tashma, quotes Mebraisa. Which states explicitly, Ben that a child can bench on behalf of his father, and a woman could uh, bench on behalf of her husband. Oh, see, see a proof that woman must be obligated in benching midday raisa, because the brisa says she can be mighty her husband. <coughs> However, the Gemara says that brisa is uh, troublesome, is problematic uh, with in the first clause of the brisa, because the brisa is perhaps not a good proof, because the brisa begins Ben a son could bench on behalf of his father. The son uh, is only chayiv midrabanan in benching because of chinuch that he has to fulfill the mitzvahs. As Gemara is assuming we're talking about a minor that he can bench on behalf of his father, but he's not obligated midraisa according to anybody. He's only obligated midrabanan. So the Gemara, the Gemara will be on the fourth line. Cut him back to Yuvu. Well, he's not obligated in benching. Rather, we must be discussing a situation where uh, the uh, father only ate a uh, sheer uh, midrabanan. The Gemara says over there in Masech Brochis and Avchaf that Midar uh, a person is only obligated to bench if he ate a Kedei Sevilla of Achalta v'savato uveirachta. You ate, you became satiated, then you bench. So you have to eat a Kedei Sevilla. Nonetheless, the Gemara says, Klal Yisrael is machmir upon it. We accept it upon ourselves to bench, uh, even on a Kezayis. It was not imposed upon us by Chazal. It sounds like this is something that we embraced, that we uh, initiated on it. It was a ground, you know, a grassroots uh, groundswell to recite to, to say benching even on a kezayis. So we, but that's only midrabana that we bench on a kezayis of bread. Midraisa, it's only if a person ate a kedei sevia. So says the Gemara, we must be discussing a situation where the father only ate a kezayis. So he's only obligated in benching midrabana. Oh, in that situation, the katan is also obligated to bench midrabana because of chinuch. So the katan could be mighty. The father they share the same level of obligation. But if that's the situation, we're only discussing a, a, a case, a scenario. The Bryce is only dealing with a situation, a predicament, where the uh, person, the father, or presumably the husband, ate a kezayis. He's only obligated to bench midr and that's why the son could be mighty to the father. Now we understand why the mother could be mighty, uh, the, the wife could be mighty her husband as well, even though she might only be obligated in benching midr because the husband is only obligated in benching midr We're only discussing a situation where all he ate was a kezayis. But you're right, maybe if he ate a kezayis sevia, he'd be chived to bench midr and maybe she could not be mighty uh, the husband. So we have no proof necessarily from this brysa, uh, that a woman is chayv and benching midday raisa because maybe she can only be mighty her husband when the husband ate less than a kedei sevir, he only ate a kezayis. But what the implication of this Gemara is, and the uh, implicit assumption of the Gemara is, is that one uh, who is only obligated in a mitzvah midrabanan cannot be mighty someone who's obligated in a mitzvah midday raisa. And if woman would only be obligated in benching midrabanan, she could be not be mighty. Her husband, if he would be obligated to be and a katan, who is only obligated in benching midrabbanon, cannot be mighty the father if he would be obligated in benching midrabbanon. The only time, reason he could, is because, uh, or the only time he could, is if the father only ate a kezayis, he was only obligated to bench himself midrabbanon. Nonetheless, the Gemara tells us over here in Baruch, that uh, once a person eats a kezayis of dagon, kezayis of bread, he could be mighty the entire room, could be mighty everyone who's present in benching. 
So Rishonim asks, it sounds like even though all he ate was a kezayis, and he, uh, the one who's going to bench on behalf of everybody, is only obligated to bench on the Rabbana, nonetheless, he can be mercy the whole room, even though there's presumably some people in the room who ate a kezay severe who are obligated to bench on the Raisa. So Rishonim asks, well, that seems to contradict the, the previous Gemara, Masechta's Brochus. So Rashi quotes in the name of the Baal Halachas Gedalus over here on the third line. No, that our Gemara is... Uh, not the, the most satisfying approach, but our Gemara over here on Daphne Mechesmebez is only discussing a situation where everybody only ate a kezayis. So if everybody only ate a kezayis, we share the same level of obligation throughout the room. That's why a person only ate a kezayis uh, could bench on behalf of everybody else. Because everyone only ate a kezayis. He says, Pasuk Davka da'achlu inu kezayis or kebeis of the kavosei. Avo ich achlu v'savu lo napik. He can't be mighty anyone who actually ate a kedei sevilla. However, that is not the, uh, certainly the, the simple understanding of the Gemara. The Gemara seems to imply that once he ate a kezayis, he can be mighty the entire room, even though there are those who are obligated midday rice, so they might have eaten a kedayi severe. So Rashi asks over here on the second line, When we were dealing with a katan who was only obligated midday rabbana, we all said he cannot be mighty the father if the father ate a kedayi severe. But over here, he can be mighty once he eat a kezayis. He uh, can't be mighty others who ate a kezayis severe. Why the disparity? So the Rashi explains how who afil midrabanan loy mechayev. The cotton is not even chayev midrabanan uh, in chinuch. That's not the obligation of the child. That's the obligation of the father to see to it that the child fulfills the mitzvahs when he's a minor, when he's less than 13 years old. But that's not the child's obligation. That's the father's obligation. Da'alea da'avua hu de it's the obligation of the father. Why could the child be mighty the father uh, when he uh, ate a kezai, when the father only ate a kezayis and the cotton ate uh, perhaps a kedei sevilla? If he's not obligated at all, he's not even obligated to midrabbanan. How could he be mighty the father in, in benching? You know the previous gemara chafam abeis. That perhaps is different because benching on a kezayis, the whole thing is only something we accepted upon ourselves. It's not even a real takonas chazal. It was a, a grassroots uh, effort. So since it's something that we accepted upon ourselves, it's much weaker. Benching on a kezayis, so even the cotton who's not really chayv at all, can be mighty the father if the father only ate a kezayis. So what is the rabban for Zechat HaMazam? The rabbanon? What, what's, if one's the rice, so one is the minhag that we accepted. Where's the rabbanon? I didn't use the, the word minhag, but what? Where's the, the rabbanon part of Zechat HaMazam? It, it's not, or it doesn't exist. It, is, it has... It has, it has um, Acquired the typical uh, contours of a regular din derabbanan, but it it, it, it was. Uh, Is there a level of the rabbanan of berachat hamazon? Yes, kizayis. But you said that's only we accepted. Uh, it's, it's because of its ancestry, because of how it developed and how it was legislated, it has unique properties. Yeah, but it's not a derabbanan. It is a derabbanan that's it's different. It's not a derabbanan. It's not different. So Maybe. You make a good point. You make a good point. For Rashi, at least, you'd have to say that. Rashi's arguing a person who's obligated to mitzvah mid can be mighty someone who's obligated mid So that's not a violation of culture. One who's only obligated mid I only ate a kezayis. I could be mighty everyone else in the room who ate a kezayis severe. Why can't the katan, who's only chayv mid exempt his father uh, or exempt others? Because uh, the katan is only is not even chayv mid that's uh, the obligation of the father. With regards to benching, might be an exception to the rule because benching itself on a kezayis might be uh, somewhat uh, unique. But says Rashi, uh, in general, a katan who's only chayv in cannot be moitzi a gadol 
because uh, the katan himself is really chayev. It's the father's obligation to see to it that the child performed the, the, the Torah and the mitzvahs when he's less than 13 years old. Taisus, though, gives a different tarot. Taisus assumes that benching is like every other obligation with the Rabbanon. And uh, Taisus assumes that one who is obligated with the Rabbanon cannot be a moitzi, someone who is obligated with the Raisa. That's why the katan cannot be moitzi, the father, when the father ate a kadeh But that's only because, says Taisus, the katan is not a bar chiyuv. Even if he'll eat a kadeh sevia, the katan's a threshold of obligation cannot rise above a derabonon. So since he's not included in an obligation with the rise of benching, there is no scenario by which a katan can be chayv with the rise and benching. He cannot be mighty someone who is actually chayv with the rise. However, a gadol, which is what the Gemara is dealing with in Baruch and Tesma base, who, if he would eat a Kedai Sevilla, would actually uh, generate a Chi of Midairaisa, even though in this specific situation, his threshold is higher. He's included in the general conversation of those who are obligated Midairaisa. He's a Bar Chiyuva. So, therefore, even though all he ate is a Rabbanon, he could be Moitzi, someone else who ate a Kedai Sevilla who was actually Chayav Midairaisa. So Tosis says, one who is obligated mid can be mighty one who is obligated mid The reason why a katan who is only obligated mid cannot be mighty the father, if the father is chayv mid is because the katan, uh, even though it is his obligation, but his level of, his threshold of obligation stops at a Dorabon, and that's the ceiling. And since he's not a bar chiyuva, a benching mid he can't be mighty the father uh, in benching. But one who has a higher ceiling... Uh, even though he, in this situation, only Chayv Midarabanan can't be mighty someone else who's Chayv Midaraisa. This, uh, this what seems to emerge, though, is a machlaik is between uh, Rashi and Taisvitz, whether one who's obligated in something, Midarabanan, uh, can be mighty someone who's obligated Midaraisa, and uh, who is the focus of the obligation of Chinuch Midarabanan before the child reaches the age of 13, that he has to fulfill the mitzvahs. According to Rashi, it seems to be that that's an obligation to come upon the father. Uh, to see to it that the child fulfills the mitzvahs. However, according to Taisus, it seems to be that that's an obligation on the child, Midr to fulfill the mitzvahs, and that's why Taisus entertained the possibility he could even be, might see someone else who perhaps is even obligated Midr The Ramban brings a proof to Rashi's position from a Mishnah Mesethus Megillah. The Mishnah tells him Mesethus Megillah, A katan, even though the mitzvah Mikra Megillah Let's say, for argument's sake, it's only the Rabbanon. It's not the Raisa. Might be some middle categories we've discussed in the past, but it's probably, let's just for intents and purposes, it's the Din Mid Rabbanon. Nonetheless, a Katan cannot be mighty the Tzibor in Kriyas HaMegillah. Even though a Katan, that's Higiyah Lechinoch, is also obligated in Mitzvah Mid Rabbanon, he cannot be mighty the Tzibor. So the Ramban says, why not? Everyone here is only obligated Mid Rabbanon. Why can't the Katan be mighty the Tzibor? So the Ramban says, must be because the obligation of Chinuch is not an obligation on the Katan. He's really not Chayv at all, as Rashi said. It's the father's obligation. So therefore, even though he shares the same obligation as the rest of the, uh, the Tzibor, he cannot be mighty anyone else because the Katan is not really Chayv, even Midr Taisus is forced into a corner, boxed into a corner because of that mission of Mesephus Megillah, and he's forced to distinguish between the Katan, who's only Chayv and Mikra Megillah because of two Dinim Durabonon, Mikra Megillah is Durabonon, and Chinuch is Durabonon, as opposed to the rest of the Tzibur that is, only oblig- that is obligated Mikra Megillah because of one Din Durabonon. They only have one Durabonon, a Mikra Megillah. The child needs to jump through two hoops. There's a Din Durabonon, Mikra Megillah, and it's Chinuch. Someone who's only obligated in mitzvah because of two Durabonons can't be mighty someone who's obligated in mitzvah because of one Durabonon. That's what Taisus is boxed into the corner to say. However, there seems to be this machlekes between Rashi and Taisus, who is the uh, focus 
of the mitzvah of chinuch. The rabbanon, the child has to fulfill the mitzvahs even before he reaches the age of bar mitzvah. But whose uh, whose uh, mitzvah is that? Is that a, a obligation to come upon the child to see to it that he fulfills uh, the mitzvahs when he's less than thirteen? It's his mitzvah. We, he's chayv in the rabbanon. We can discuss. Can it be mitzi others? Whereas according to Rashi, it's not his obligation at all. It's really uh, the father's obligation to see to it that the child accustoms himself to performing the mitzvahs when he's less uh, than 13. And there, this seems to be, this Machlech Svishayim seems to be a running issue, Machlech Zachreinim, with regards to related topics. What do you want to say, Ruben? I just want to say, how do you define Python, by the way? Higiyah uh, Meaning, it depends. Each mitzvah is, is different. Uh, so each mitzvah is different. When the child can uh, fulfill that mitzvah with all of its details. Why wouldn't be chinuch be the same thing like bris milah? The father's obligated to do bris milah until he gets to a certain age, and he's obligated. Why isn't chinuch the same? I think that's why some Rishonim understood it in that fashion. That it's the father's obligation. The elu mitzvah ha'av alabein. What's the have mean to be different than that? This only when the child reaches some the mitzvah bris milah. First of all, was the way it was given. Brismila is given to the father. That's uh, the paradigm where it came from. But also, that applies to a child's lohigilachinoch. So, obviously, that has to, can't be an obligation upon the child. Here, this is only when the child reaches some level of recognition. So maybe it's uh, the focus of it is, is the child. This is a different way to read the Gemara and Brachos. That's exactly your tension. I mean, that's exactly the tension that exists here. Right, but it's also a different way to read the Gemara and Brachos where it's Ben Varech Le'avi. Yeah. And Le'avi means that he ble- he says, you know, the blessing, and the Avi repeats it, as you see in Hanukkah, uh, in the Mar-Sukhas. Yeah, but so the Gemara is discussing, and Kol and Moitzi Rami Dei Chavazin. It sounds like I'm being Moitzi him in my no, recitation. The, the father's ignorant, the son is not ignorant. Right. No, That's the only situation where this would happen. Allah, Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. So why can't it be read that? Does anybody read it that way? It doesn't sound like... Okay. It doesn't sound like... Yeah. We'll get to one second. Yeah, but to say... The phone's obligation, right? So the son's obligation. No, no one says... To, we'll get to your point. All the way to the end. If we have a minute. The... Uh, one issue that might perhaps is related to this is who's the focus of the mitzvah of chinuch? Is it the obligation of the child, his obligation to perform the mitzvahs when he's less than 13, or is it that the father just has to see to it that the child accustoms himself to performing the mitzvahs when it's the father's obligation? Is it with regards to um, what type of, uh, what type of uh, object of the mitzvah can, uh, is the child obligated to engage in? The Gemara tells us over here in Mesechta's Sukkah, as Machlekes HaTanoim, the first mission of Mesech the Sukkah, what is the, the maximum height for a Sukkah? The opinion of the Chachamim is that a Sukkah can't be taller than Esr Mama for a variety of reasons. It has to be less than 20 Amas tall. The opinion of Rabbi Yehuda is that it can be uh, taller than Esr Mama. Even before the 50 Amas. So the Gemara brings a proof to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Amar of Yehuda, Maisa, here at the end of the first line, Maisa behilni Amalka belod, Hilni Amalka, of course, was a Babylonian princess who converted to uh, Yiddishkeit in the first century. So uh, she was uh, vigilant in the performance of mitzvahs, and uh, she was uh, in load, and, uh, and the Chacham came to visit her. And Sukkot, and they saw Shahisa Sukkot Gavayim Esr Mama. Nonetheless, she was sitting in a Sukkah that was taller than Esr Mama tall. All the Talmud Chachamim came uh, to visit her. Nobody protested in the fact that she was sitting in a Sukkah that was taller than Esr Mama. So Rabbi Yehuda says, you see from here, a Sukkah that's taller than Esr Mama is kosher. They said to Rabbi Yehuda, well, Misham Raya, that's a Raya. She's exempt from Sukkah. That's why they didn't protest. So Gemara says, 
yeah, but she had Amalehen Baloi Shiva Banam Havalah. She had seven sons. If she had seven sons, one of them is already Higia the Chinuch. And old Koma Selo, Asal Pichacham, even though Chinuch is only the Rabbanan, she certainly would have adhered uh, to the obligation of Chinuch with the Rabbanan and seen to it that her uh, son uh, sat in a kosher sukkah. So the Ritva, and first from that Gemara, Mehosha mean, and the Katan Shemachanchan, I say, be mitzvah, Sarak Lasos, lo mitzvah, Behechshe Gomer Kagadol. He has to perform the mitzvah with, uh, with an object of the mitzvah, with, uh, you know, which is bona fide, which is genuine. It has to be a, uh, has to resemble a real uh, sukkah. It couldn't have been a sukkah that was Lamao Meser Mama, unless a sukkah that's Lamao Meser Mama is a kosher sukkah. Shulchan Aruch also says over here, for that reason, that a katan yodeh and anea lulav kedina, once a, ch- a child knows how to shake the lulav properly, the father is obligated to buy him a lulav, in order to make sure that he is uh, performing the mitzvah of chinuch, uh, that he's fulfilling the mitzvah even though he's not 13, but midrabon on the mitzvah of chinuch. So the Be'alacha writes, Upashit the tzar sh'yadal minim k'sherim k'mar begodo. Yeah, it's true, a little kid, you get away with a lemon if he's three years old. But once the child is a uh, it has to be a kosher set of dalaminim, just like the sukkah had to be less than Esser Mama. So Rav Jolti writes in the Sefer Mishnah Siavitz that what this means is that the object that the child is using has to resemble the object that is a bona fide object of the mitzvah. The cheftah shal mitzvah has to be intact entirely. It can't be a lemon, it can't be a sukkah that's a mama Esser Mama. But does the child actually have to fulfill the mitzvah midirabonon? Or is it, uh, even if he's not uh, fulfilling it with one of the details because of some sort of uh, snag, he uh, was still in fulfillment properly of the, of the mitzvah of Chinuch. So that seems to be two opinions in the Mishnah Bura. The object of the mitzvah certainly has to resemble the genuine, uh, the genuine, you know, the real McCoy. It has to be a real sukkah, uh, has to be a real dalaminim. But does the child actually have to fulfill the mitzvah of dalaminim or not? As we know, on the first day of Sukkot, the Pesach says, Lukachtem lochem b'yoyim ha'rishon p'yei On the first day of Sukkot, the Dalaminim have to belong to you. The subsequent days of Sukkot, you could even uh, fulfill the mitzvah with a borrowed Dalaminim. Does the child have to own his Dalaminim on the first day of Sukkot? So the Mishnah Brewer says, Avalkatan lo yotze b'netil ha'kazer, da'ena shaloi. If it doesn't belong to him, He's not yet to the mitzvah, below mikri lachem, below kiyim bo'av of mitzvah schinuch. Then uh, his mitzvah schinuch is lacking. The child actually has to fulfill the mitzvah on the first day of Yontif. Then the Mishaburah quotes, Yesh me'achren she'shoivim, the mitzvah schinuch miskaim gam b'shol, even though it's borrowed, you fulfilled your obligation of schinuch. The gam b'zem miskhanech ha'ben. He's become accustomed to, per- to performing the mitzvahs. It looks like the real mitzvah, this is the same, you know, resembles what everyone else is doing. He wouldn't know, uh, you wouldn't be able to tell that there's any difference here, but the fact that it doesn't belong to him. And the It has to resemble the general mitzvah, but it doesn't have to be that he's actually Yodzei the mitzvah. So Rav Jolti explains, suggests, or Moshe has the same thing in the English Moshe, that these two opinions of the Mishnah Bura seem to be reflecting those two perspectives on Chinuch that we mentioned before. Is the obligation of Chinuch incumbent upon the father to just uh, accustom the child to performing the mitzvahs when he's less than 13, in which case perhaps he doesn't even have to fulfill the mitzvah. It has to resemble the real mitzvah, otherwise he's not, accustom- he's not, uh, he's not getting used to doing the real McCoy. But if uh, everything for all intents and purposes looks like the mitzvah, um, then the father's fulfilled his obligation. The child has become accustomed to taking Dalminim and sitting in the sukkah. But the other opinion of Mishnah Brewer feels that no, the mitzvah of Chinuch is that the child has obligated the mitzvahs now Midrabanan uh, to prepare himself for the time that he'll be obligated midaraisa after his bar mitzvah, but he actually has to fulfill the mitzvahs now. Uh, Midrabanan. 
That's perhaps the two opinions here in the Mishaburah. Does the child actually have to fulfill the mitzvah? Ramesha claims that this is uh, perhaps uh, linked to another issue, with re- a related issue, with regards to Achinuch uh, for Avelos. The Gemara tells us in the Maid Katan that there's no Avelos Bektanin. We do tear Kriya on a Katan Layelein who loses a Karav. We tear Kriya even if the little children tear Kriya. The child says Kaddish uh, in such a tragic situation. Says Kaddish, we tear Kriya, but there is no uh, Avelos. So the tour in Hilchta Avelos, quotes the name of the uh, Ritzgeus, that that's only by a Katan Shaloi Higia Lechinoch. Once the Katan is Higia Lechinoch, so then there is Avelos for a Katan. There's chinuch like all other mitzvahs that there'd be chinuch, just like there's chinuch for dalminim, there'd be chinuch uh, for avelos. And the shach, uh, that, and that's the opinion of the taz in your your day in hilchas avelos. The shach disagrees. Shach feels there's never avelos, uh, never chinuch for avelos. Not only a katan shleigi lechinuch, even the katan zigi lechinuch, there is no chinuch for avelos. Why? So my says, why? Why should it be different than any other mitzvah? The rabbanan, the raisa, mikra megillah, dalminim, sukkah, where we have chinuch. Why should there be no chinuch by Avelis? The Taz's argument is compelling. We have chinuch by all the mitzvahs. Why shouldn't it apply by Avelis? So Ramosh explains the opinion of the Shach, uh, and that is that uh, the obligation of chinuch is not something that the, the child is obligated to fulfill the mitzvahs now, but to prepare himself for a time that will be obligated to rice. If that would be the case, you're right, it should apply to all mitzvahs. Avelis no different than any other mitzvah. However, Ramosh claims that the opinion of the Shach is that uh, the mitzvah of Chinuch is not that the child has to fulfill the mitzvahs now, Midrabana, to prepare himself for a time that will be chayvim deiraisa. It's not an obligation of the child. It's an obligation on the father to see to it that the child is accustomed to performing the mitzvahs now. So it will be something that he's uh, accustomed to doing when he becomes bar mitzvah. But then the father is only obligated to prepare the child for those mitzvahs that he will inevitably encounter when he's a godol. However, this child discuss the situation, he could pass away before his other kraven. He might not ever have to sit Avelos for anybody. So it's not something that he'll inevitably encounter when he reaches maturity. So says the Shach, maybe then there's no chinuch for such a mitzvah. And it's not that the child has to fulfill all tayag mitzvahs now, and the Rabbanah to prepare himself for Kabbalah, it's when be It's an obligation to the father to prepare him. So maybe I'm only obligated to prepare him, to accustom him to keeping the mitzvahs and those mitzvahs that he'll inevitably encounter. That's why Ramesha says... He's going to inevitably encounter shaking lulav. Why? What why? The same argument you can make for every mitzvah. Uh, why not? not everybody. I mean, he has another parent. Fair, maybe. So Fair. Fair. Interesting point. Fair. But Ramosha claims that's why, which is an interesting disparity, that even though we pass and there's no chinuch for Avelos, even a child who's a gil chinuch, but it says in Ramah and Hilchas Bena Mitzarim, and it's in the Shulchan Arach and Hilchas Bena Mitzarim, Simon Tavkuf Nun Aleph, that a child we don't watch, uh, not allowed. all the halachas of the Avelos for the three weeks apply to children as well. He can't take a haircut, can't uh, you know, eat meat and wine. Uh, once is, uh, he, he's Higil uh, Achinoch, even before then, he's not supposed to. Uh, Eat uh, meat uh, during the nine days and take haircuts and all of these type of things. <coughs> Why? <coughs> what happened to Ein Chinuch Lavelus? So the Magen Avram asked this question. The Tanim Nami Shaych Bar Chinuch. Imishum Avelus, Imishum Magmas Nefesh. V'Tzarachian asked the Magen Avram. We paskin Ein Avelus Bil Lekatan. There's no Avelus for Katan, no Chinuch for Avelus. Why should the Avelus of the period of the Ben Amitzarim be any different? So the Magen Avram explains. V'Nirolida Avelus Derabim Achmirin Intfei. This is Avelus of the Tzibor. 
why should that be any different? Why is that, how does that justify the, this, uh, the distinction? So Rabbi Moshe explains that what he means to say is, this is an Avelos that the child will inevitably encounter. Avelos for Chorim Beis Hamikdash is something that the Tzibor does, meaning not because of your personal circumstance, something that everybody encounters as part of the, the annual cycle of, uh, of Jewish life. So therefore, since it's something they'll inevitably encounter, even though it's Avelos, Rabbi Moshe says the father has to be Mechanim for the child. However, when it comes to personal avelos, something the child won't necessarily encounter, uh, so then the father is not obligated uh, to be mechanic the child in, uh, for that. These two perspectives on chinuch, the machlekes rishonim, perhaps the machlekes achreinim, is the obligation that the child fulfill the mitzvahs while he's a katan. It's really his uh, obligation. He has to fulfill it with, uh, you know, actually be mechayim the mitzvah with all of its details. Or is it an obligation upon the father to accustom the child? To performing the mitzvahs so that when he gets older he'll be, uh, you know, be uh, used to doing it seems to reflect two um, perspectives on how, what the, the focus of this bracha, Baruch Patronimi Zed, that the father says at the time of the bar mitzvah. The Ramah writes over here, he quotes this in Shin Chav Hesiv Beis, by the Medrash that we mentioned at the beginning, that once the child becomes bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah, he mentions the bracha baruch atah Hashem akinim alcholayim shepratoni miyanchu shalzeh, but yet the Ramah says toiv levarach beloy shem umalchus. Our meaning is to make it without shem umalchus. We don't make any bracha that's not found in the Gemara with shem umalchus. That's the general rule. If it's not found in the Gemara, there's no shem umalchus. The Gra, the Mishnah Brewer quotes from the Gra that the, he had the minig of making with shem and malchus, and some have that minig, but the Ramah, and this is our minig, is that since it's machlekes hapaiskim, do you say it with a bracha, without a bracha, suffix brachas lakula, our minig is usually to say it without a bracha, there are those who are mahat to say it with a bracha. When do you say it? You're supposed to say it when the child becomes bar mitzvah, when he reaches uh, maturity. But the Mishnah Bura says, over here, Sivka and Vav, uh, our minig is to make it when the child receives his first aliyah be it during the week, to be it on Shabbos, the boy b'yoyim, when he receives his first aliyah, then the, uh, then the father, after his aliyah, if he's a shlishi, and it's during the week, and he, it's after the Kaddish, then the father makes the Baruch Shepatrani, uh, but who is being, uh, whose einshim are being relieved? Meaning, what, what is changing at the time of the Bar Mitzvah? What's the focus of the Baruch So the Magen Avram quotes uh, two explanations. Magen Avram says, over here on the second line of Ois Yud, Perush, the Ad Achshav Nenash Ha'av Kishachata Habein. Bishvil Shalachincha. Who's uh, being relieved of punishment here? Uh, the father. The father is saying, oh, now I, uh, whose punishments is the bracha addressing? It's the father's punishment for the, whenever the child didn't fulfill the mitzvahs properly. But it's who's, uh, who's the focus of the obligation of Chinuch? The father. So the father is saying, oh, Baruch Shepetran, now I'm relieved of this uh, responsibility and obligation, because now it's incumbent upon the child himself. That's what's changing. However, the Levush said, Pirish Ibcha, they know that it's until now, it was the child was, uh, was uh, responsible for uh, fulfilling the mitzvahs, albeit midr and uh, the father is saying, now I no longer have a hand at all. I'm not even a custodian. I'm not even a coach. I'm not even like a cheerleader that I have any uh, responsibility for the onshim that the child has been incurring for the fact that he hasn't been keeping the mitzvahs properly. I don't have any shaykhs to it anymore. No, no, no guilt at all. Until now, it was the child was receiving punishments if he didn't keep the mitzvahs properly. But at least I had some hand in it. I was supposed to be coaching him. I wasn't doing it. So I had some hand in his, you know, some guilt. Now I have no guilt because of the onshim that the child is receiving. But it was always the onshim of the child, but never the onshim of the father. 
that's not what would change at the time of the bar mitzvah. It was always the child's responsibility to make sure that he was keeping the mitzvahs, and the father has an obligation to coach the child into fulfilling the mitzvahs midr But who is the focus of the mitzvah of chinuch? Is the child that once he's a gil chinuch, he has to start fulfilling the tayag mitzvahs midr abbanan and to prepare himself for a time later when he'll be chayv midr Whereas the magen avram understood the focus of the bracha is what's transitioning is that until now was the obligation of the father to see to it that the child was fulfilling the mitzvahs, and if he didn't, it was the child, the father's oinish. He was the uh, one who was uh, held uh, responsible. And now, after the bar mitzvah, it's going to become uh, the, the, the yoke of responsibility will be switched to the child. Until now, it was the responsibility of the father. So perhaps these two uh, perspectives on chinuch were reflected in the two suggested explanations for this bracha of Baruch Shepatrani The Prima Godin writes, uh, asks, why is it uh, that we don't recite this bracha for girls? So he suggests perhaps the reason we don't say the bracha for girls, so the mother doesn't say it, the minig is usually the mother doesn't say it for the son, and the father doesn't say it for a daughter. Well, why, why not? Is this, uh, the, the same, uh, the same uh, argument should uh, be relevant for girls as well. So the prima gadam over here, Oisid Alf, suggests that perhaps it's because the obligation of chinuch does not extend, uh, a father's not obligated to be mechanech his daughter, and the mother is not obligated uh, to be mechanic her son. And this is based on the Gemara Mesech does Nazir. The Gemara tells us over here, Oisid Beis, that her ish mother is benoi benazir. A father can uh, accept a nether naziris on behalf of his son, but a mother cannot accept a nether naziris on behalf of her son. Uh, on behalf of her son. Only the father, not the mother. The ish in, so the Gemara is going to get to one second. Ish in, of ish aloi. A man, yes, but a woman, not. Why not? So Rabbi Yechanan says, it's halach l'moshim isinai benazir. This distinction is halach l'moshim isinai. But Reish Lakish says, it's kedei l'chan chobe mitzvahs. This is only with regards to chinuch for mitzvahs. The father is obligated to be mechanech his son, not the mother. That's why she can't accept the nether naziris on behalf of her uh, son. So the Gemara says, uh, according to Reish Lakish, that uh, not only can the father, uh, the father can accept the nether naziris on behalf of his son, but he cannot accept the nether naziris on behalf of his daughter. So according to Rabbi Yechanan, we understand why that's the case. Uh, it's only the father, only men, not the woman. But according to Reish Lakish, why should that be the case? The Gemara says, Kasavar, in the last line, He's only obligated to be his son, not his daughter. So the obligation of Chinuch doesn't extend to mothers and does not extend to daughters. The problem is, the Mishnah says in Masech Tzayuma, that uh, you know, children, uh, once they reach the age of Chinuch, a year or two before uh, Bar Mitzvah, Bas Mitzvah, they start fasting on Yom Kippur. We don't have this minute. The Mishnah Bura says our children are too weak to do this, so we don't start fasting a year or two before fast, but that's what it says in the Mishnah. So they should be accustomed to fasting on Yom Kippur. So it sounds like it's uh, the daughters too. So Taisis Yishanim asks, Kashali, Damina bin Azir, Binoi in Bitoloi, the Bito in Chayv Lachancha. You're not obligated to be Machanach, your daughter. But over here, it sounds like you are obligated to be mechanach your daughter. And we have an indication that chinuch extends to mothers. How do we know chinuch extends to mothers? We already saw the Gemara says in Masech the Sukkah, Hilni Amalka was careful to make sure that her son was sitting in a kosher sukkah. Hilni Amalka is the mother. It doesn't sound like it was the father who was in the picture. The mother was going to make sure that her son was sitting in a kosher sukkah. So you see, chinuch extends to mothers and extends to daughters. 
So the Taisus Yeshanim gives two answers to this uh, contradiction. You're right, when the Gemara said, of course Chinuch extends to mothers and to daughters. The Gemara Masechus Nazar is discussing a unique situation in the Zerus. That's a, not a mitzvah that most people encounter. So that's a special, you know, Chinuch for Kedusha in the Zerus that doesn't extend to mothers, doesn't extend to daughters. That's a father-son uh, type of relationship. But Nazirus is the outlier. That's not the general, you know, the mitzvahs that a person encounters throughout the course of the annual, uh, you know, Jewish uh, cycle of, uh, of Jewish life. Then Taisus Yeshanim quotes another opinion that no, that perhaps women, uh, and uh, he says, Really, the obligation of Chinuch only extends uh, uh, to the father and to the sons. Is uh, what she was doing with Nimishurus had in Lemitzvah Be'alma. And perhaps the mission of Yuma is also only Lemitzvah Be'alma. She wants to fast before Yom Kippur. It's not the real halach of Chinuch. Chinuch only extends uh, to sons and to fathers, doesn't extend to daughters and to mothers. However, uh, this is and this is two opinions of the Magan Avram. It's in, actually in Hilchas uh, in Orchaim and Shin Mem Gimel and Hilchas Shabbos of all places. But there's uh, two opinions in the Magan Avram. Uh, does Chinuch extend? Uh, is it only a father-son relationship, or does it extend to mothers? Does it extend to daughters as well? We generally assume that Chinuch does extend to mothers and does extend to daughters. So because of that. Rabbi Vadi writes in the Yabiya Aimer that Washington the Bracha Barsha Patronomy Ancha Shalzeh extend to mothers and extend to daughters. And he, uh, even though the whole halacha Barsha Patronomy Ancha Shalzeh is only found in the Ramah, who's in Ashkenazi, Rabbi Vadia advocates that this uh, Bracha should be said uh, for girls as well. That is not our minig. Uh, most people do not have the minig to say the Bracha for girls. But why not? We generally assume that the mitzvah of Chinuch uh, does extend to daughters. It's two opinions in the Taisus Yishanim, two opinions in the Magan Avram, is there Chinuch for daughters? Uh, or not, but we generally assume that there is, so why shouldn't uh, we, the bracha Baruch Shepetrani apply to daughters uh, as well, that he's being relieved of his obligation of chinuch and is transferring uh, to the daughter. So many suggest, uh, many suggest that perhaps it's because the bracha, bracha Baruch Shepetrani is not like the Magan Avram understood it at all. It's not related to some transition that's taking place in the mitzvah of chinuch. Rather, look at the context of the Medrash, seems to be that it's related to Talmud Torah. Because the Medrash says, until the age of 13, both Yaakov and Esav were going uh, to the same uh, yeshiva. They were learning in the same, uh, same place. At the age of 13, Yaakov went to learn in you know, the Mesifta, and Esav went to the base of Eres Kechavim. So the Radal, or David Luria, in his comments on that Medrash, suggests that perhaps uh, the bracha, at the age of 13, once the, the, the child is uh, you know, on his own, the bracha, father says, the bracha bar shabbatranami on shoshoseh. So Rabbi David Luria suggests that this only relates to the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, that the obligation of Talmud Torah until the age of 13 was incumbent upon the father. At the age of 13, he's no longer responsible for the child. If he's Mavatul Torah, that's the child's own cheshbon. The child is obligated to learn on his own, not just only that the father is obligated to teach him, the son is obligated to learn on his own. But the bracha, baruch shabatranami, on shazer, relates only to Talmud Torah, to Bittul Torah. That's why, when do we say the bracha? We say the bracha at Kriyas HaTayra. Why is Arminic to say it at the time of Kriyas HaTayra? Because it's specifically related to the obligation of Talmud Torah. That the obligation of Talmud Torah to the age of 13 was incumbent upon the father. If the child was Mavatul Torah, it's his responsibility. After the age of 13, 
the uh, responsibility for Talmud Torah has been transferred to the son. And that would explain, perhaps justify, why we don't say the bracha for daughters, because uh, even though girls have to learn the halachas that apply to them, they are exempt from the formal obligation of, uh, of Talmud Torah. And that's perhaps why it doesn't, uh, this bracha doesn't extend uh, to girls. Even though the obligation to make sure that the child fulfills the mitzvahs until he's 13 uh, is only a din midra banan, uh, there is, a, it's hard to believe that there's no chinuch midra raisa. It just means that the child should fulfill the mitzvahs while he's a katan. That's only perhaps an obligation, uh, and that stops at the age of 13. Now the child is obligated to perform the mitzvahs on his own. However, the Meshachachma comments in a post in Parashas Vayera, that Kodesh Baruch Hu says, that you're going to become a great nation. So he says, I know, I'm confident about you, you're going to become such a large nation, because you're going to command your children to follow in your footsteps. So Meshachachma claims that you see from here a mitzvah, perhaps yes, that the child should fulfill the mitzvahs when he's a katan, is only the rabbanon, we could discuss, is the father's obligation, the child's obligation. However, the father has an overarching obligation that extends well beyond 13, and that is a mitzvah midoraisa, and that is to make sure that the children, whatever, you know, this is the long-term game plan. The short-term plan, that's only uh, the rabbanon that he fulfills it now. But the long, uh, you know, the, 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 the bigger picture, to make sure that the child is interested in keeping the Torah and the mitzvahs throughout his life, that's a, when he gets older, that's an obligation midoraisa, which continues throughout a person's life, to make sure that his uh, children are interested in, uh, in uh, following in the footsteps of the parents and keeping the Torah and the mitzvahs. How many is no? Rabbi would say yes. I'm not going to argue.